Good morning. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for those who are watching online. And so we're going to jump into the word this morning. We're in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. There were some, some guests here today, those who have been watching online. Thank you. And some of you I caught you said, well, we're in a pretty difficult text today. And buckle up. And we'll get through this together. And so... Uh, I know you guys have just got to sit down now for a little bit. I'm going to ask you to stand again. Oh, what are we doing? Up and down, up and down. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, 18 through 20. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, that's the English or USA version. If you're British, it would be Thyatira. doesn't really matter. The words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and those whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works. You are love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality, to eat the food sacrificed to idols. Lord, let this word go deep today in Christ's name. Amen. Be seated. And so, listen, as we, as we jump into this today, a couple of thoughts. Number one, I'm, never, I'm not sure who's giving out the sermon assignments, but last time was suffering, and this time is sexual immorality. So when I find that guy, he's in big trouble. And uh, secondly, the, the message today, and I want you to hear me, because you know, you know how I can get sometimes. This, this isn't to bring condemnation to me or you. It's to bring conviction. How many know conviction is still a good thing when we feel convicted of something? Is that okay to say? Well, you need to start agreeing with me earlier. It's going to be a long 35, 40 minutes. So just work with me. Before we get started, I do want to say uh, we want to recognize, uh, being Memorial Day weekend, we want to recognize those who gave their lives in defense of this nation. We cannot, yeah, we can clap for that. That's okay. Uh, we think, are thankful I'm thankful, we're thankful for their sacrifice. Those men and women who gave their lives, gave their lives on behalf of this nation, and we owe a debt to those who, as Abraham Lincoln said, gave their last full measure of devotion. And so we honor their memories, and we pray for the families that uh, have endured loss through the years, through all the different conflicts that we have had as a nation. To be honest with you, I can understand men and women who give their lives for their nation. But what I can't wrap my head around today is what took place in Uvalde, Texas. I, I, can, I cannot comprehend it, and to be honest, like Pastor Daniel said, it makes me angry. And to be honest, I think there's some times where it's okay to be angry, to say, this isn't right. And 19 children and two teachers uh, did not sacrifice their lives on behalf of this nation. They didn't give their last full measure of devotion their lives were taken from them in a senseless act of violence. Their lives were stolen, taken from them before many of these children had a chance to really live. And they leave behind parents and grandparents and friends and family who are crushed. Are crushed. We cannot, those who have not experienced that, cannot possibly fathom what they're dealing with today. And I guess my point would be this, that while... The far right and the far left argue, pontificate, politicize, and preen for the cameras. Nothing's ever going to change. 
That's why the mission to change the human condition is not given to politicians or social media or billionaires. It's given to the church. If we're going to see real change happen in this world, it will not be because of any of them. It will be because of him who died and rose again, ascended, and one day is coming back. That's where our hope and our our peace lies. We are, the Bible says, the reason we have the mission is because you and I together are the body of Christ. We are his hands, his feet, his voice. If we want to change the world, then we will change it through our words, our voices, and our feet as we are led by the Holy Spirit of God. That's the only way we're ever gonna change the situation. It's not about, it's about touching people. If we wanna change the world, let's change them one heart at a time. If we want to turn people's direction, let's present the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's let's show them a people, you and I, who are filled and led by the Holy Spirit of God. The mission belongs to we, to to those of us who who understand the words of Jesus when he said these words. He said in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The mission belongs to those of us who are filled with the spirit of the living God, the third person of the Trinity. You know, we talk about, we talk about the cross, we talk about the empty tomb, but there are two more events that I think are hugely important for us today, and it is when one Christ ascended into heaven. The Bible says in Matthew 28 and 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, had he have stayed here, that would have been different, but the Bible says he ascended and sits on the throne, and all power and all authority is his in Jesus' name. The ascension, he sits on the throne. But that's not the end of the story. Then next Sunday, it's called Pentecost. And that's when the Holy Spirit of God and the mission and the purpose and the call of, of Jesus Christ are to those who have received the Holy Spirit of God and want to become who we truly are, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ to affect change and to see the world know Jesus Christ. That is us. When Jesus came... Uh, He said these words, the last words he said before he ascended, he said these words, and go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the mission. Three things in that passage of scripture. He said, go and tell people about Jesus, go baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and teach them how to live in the Spirit. Teach them how to live as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ through the years, 2,000 years. The calling and the purpose and the mission of the church has never changed. No matter who tries to add things to it, no matter who tries to add this and this, that is and will always be until Jesus Christ, (coughs) excuse me, comes again, will be the mission of the church to evangelize, baptize, disciple men, women, boys and girls in the name of Jesus, living in the power of the Spirit to the glory of God the Father. That's the call of the church today. The message at Theratira is a warning to those who would get sidetracked from the words and the teachings of Jesus in Scripture. It's a warning. It is a stark warning. It is a call for average, ordinary Christ followers like you and me to remain vigilant, to not let foolishness and garbage and silliness overtake us and deflect and distract us from the mission that God has given us today. It's a language I mean, its language is harsh when we read this. It's harsh and it's direct. And it is for us today, 2,000 years from the time of Theratira. It's the smallest of the seven churches, yet they get the longest letter. 
It's a culture that worshiped multiple. They were polytheists. They worshiped multiple gods. Chief among them was the god Apollo. And uh, the culture was, if you will, hypersexualized. They, it was, uh, the guilds had their own orgies. It was, a hi- I, I don't know what, I, this was the word I came up with, hypersexualized. It was all about that. And so uh, you say, well, man, that would have been a tough place to live. Yeah, it is. It was a rough place. And so when this letter comes, it's not, I guess I would say this, it's not to those people who out there who are living those kinds of lives, it's to the church. It's to the people who are living in that kind of a culture, not a part of it. The message of scripture, the message of Jesus is through us to the world, but this book is written to us. It's calling us to a different life. It's calling us to a different purpose. And it may mention culture, it may even give warnings to culture, but this message is for us. So as is the message of Thyatira, Thyatira today. Scripture talks about culture, but the message is squarely for you and I today. And so we begin, and we begin with the good news. Verse 18. And to the angel of the church at Thyatira, I've said it so many times, I can't even decide on how to say it now. <laughs> Thyatira, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. In other words, this isn't your baby in the manger, This isn't your suffering servant. This is king of kings and lord of lords and one day he's coming back and his eyes are like fire and his feet are burnished bronze. In other words, he's coming to judge and and between you and I, you know where I think he's gonna start with judgment? Us, the church to whom much has been given. This is the king of heaven and they're speaking to the church and he has much to say. And he starts off on a good note. He says, listen guys, I know your works your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. In other words, you just keep growing in your faith. You keep loving people. You keep serving. You keep living in this pagan culture with, with patient endurance. You just keep hanging in there when you, when you could have given up or quit or been distracted by other things. These people were loving and enduring in spite of culture, in spite of influence. These, these people, we'll call them the We'll call them the faithful, this first group. They were the faithful who just hung in there, led by the Spirit of God, living and and doing the stuff of, of, of following Jesus. Then you get the bad news, and this is where we need to, you know, grab the grab the seats and hold on. But I have this against you that you tolerate that woman. Notice she doesn't say the woman, he says that woman. It's never a good sign. That woman. Or that man, just keep it all straight. That woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing. Remember that word seducing. My servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. So if the first group are the faithful, I'm gonna call this group the tolerant party. It says, you that tolerate this woman or that woman Jezebel. This is the second group. In other words, they knew about the teachings of Jezebel but they didn't care. They knew it was wrong. They knew it was pulling people away from faith. They knew it wasn't healthy for the church, but that, that little word there, that word tolerate, is what they were doing. She was leading people away from Jesus into another form of, of, of worship, into, another form of, into a form of idolatry, and pulling them away from following the Lord Jesus Christ. She was leading people, and they chose to tolerate it. They chose to turn a blind eye. You know, even as I say this out loud, let's be honest. Sometimes it's e- easier to ignore a problem than to deal with it. Anyone? 
I, I'm guilty. It's just easy to ignore something. I mean, how many of us in our marriages have not dealt with an issue we've chosen to ignore it? How many have we seen something in a, our lives or a friend's life and, and we chose to ignore it? Sometimes it's easier, but I'm going to tell you from personal experience, it doesn't work. You can pretend it's not there. You can talk like it's not there, but it's still there. And it remains a problem. Now, there's a third group. If the first group are the faithful, if the second group are the, those, the tolerant party, then the third group is Jezebel and company. These are the three groups. Now, this woman, more than likely, in fact, I'm, I'm 90% sure that she wasn't really named Jezebel. That's a reference to 1 Kings, where it talks about the, the queen, Queen Jezebel, of, who was married to King Ahab, who the Bible says did evil in the sight of the Lord. She was from Tyre and Sidon, and so when she came, she brought her own gods. She brought worship to uh, Ashtoreth or Astarte, and she brought uh, her god Baal or Baal. Let's just go with Baal. And so you have these two gods, and she, she persuaded. She seduced the people away. She'd build a little shrine here to Ashtoreth. She would build a little larger temple over here to Baal. And slowly and incrementally, she drew the... And, and let's be clear who we're talking to. We're talking to Israel, the people of God. She drew the people of God into a place where they couldn't decide who they were going to worship, who they were going to follow. Thank the Lord we never deal with that. But man, it was a problem back then. And, 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 and this is the problem. And so you have this, this prophet of the Lord... Uh, uh, Elijah and you know for those of us going to Israel in February with us we'll, we'll stand on Mount Carmel and, and, and we'll see where the battle took place and it, it's, it's a moving experience as we recount this story but it's a showdown between the prophets of Baal 400 of them versus this one guy named Elijah and I gotta tell you because he had God on his side he was the majority and, and it's decisive. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful story in 1 Kings 18. You gotta read it when you get home today. It's, it's the power of God coming in and destroying the sacrifices, just burning everything up. I mean, it was God. Uh, notice I didn't say Elijah. It was God who won the battle. See, if we're gonna win, it's not us. It's always the Lord. That, you gotta get that down. 1 Kings 18, 21, and, and here's a sad verse. Listen to this. Elijah looks at the people, and here's what he said. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go, I love the ESV, how long will you go limping between, two, limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, and if Baal, then follow him. Here's the sad part. And the people, but the people did not answer a word. They were so confused, they couldn't decide. This, the God who had brought them out of Egypt for crying out loud, the God who had protected and rescued time after time after time, they couldn't decide who it was they were going to follow. They were being seduced. They were being seduced just like in the New Testament revelation. The, 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 I'm going to call it the spirit of Jezebel. Anything that pulls us away, I'm going to call the spirit of Jezebel today. They were pulled away they, to, for, for them to take their eyes off the Lord. And it was happening inside the Israel, the people of Israel. And it was happening inside the body of Christ, the church. Those were the target audiences. In the case of Thyatira, it was sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. You know, lately, there's not a week that goes by that you don't hear of some pastor or spiritual leader 
fall prey to sexual immorality. Is that okay to say? I mean, it's just us here and maybe a few thousand watching online. I mean, they were, they were seduced. And when I say seduced, I don't mean by another party. They were seduced inside themselves. In Australia, in Florida, in Barrington, Illinois, in Warsaw, I think it's Illinois, in Texas, in Arizona, and right here in our own state. Pastors who were seduced by the spirit of Jezebel inside themselves to commit a heinous, I don't know how to say this, to violate their vows and do something highly damaging to the body of Christ and to the individual with whom they were participating with, their families, perhaps their spouse and themselves. They were seduced. And you you read about it, you see it all around us, uh, it's all around, and it breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart. And uh, they were seduced. I want to ask you a question before I give you the good news. Well, let me give you the good news first. For every one pastor that falls morally, you need to know there are a thousand others who are on their knees praying for their congregation. For every, every, for every pastor that falls, there are a thousand others who are lifting up the name of Jesus and doing the best that they can. So as you process this, and of what I just said, don't ever get your eyes on those few who... who who are guilty of violating their, their tr- the trust of their congregation because there are thousands of others who are doing the job every single day. And our call is to lift them up in prayer. That, that first group might be the spirit of Jezebel, but that group I just said, those who are praying, they are, of the, they are, they are found faithful day after day after day. There are others who tolerate. I mean, what happened in Australia is because somebody was tolerating it. They were allowing sexual immorality like it wasn't a big deal. You need to know where we stand on this as a church. Sexual immorality is a big deal. We don't countenance it. We don't believe in it. We believe it to be sin. And if you're involved in it in any capacity, you need to confess, repent, and seek healing in Jesus' name today. And I don't say that with a condemning heart. I say it with a convicting spirit, I believe, today. There are those who do a disservice. Uh, uh, you know, before I, I, I want to ask this question. What, what seduces you? I don't mean sexually. I mean, what seduces you away from your faith in Jesus Christ? I know what mine are. What seduces you away? I wasn't looking for an answer, but that's certainly one. (laughs) Power, prestige, popularity, finances. There's a dozen different reasons that put us right in the same spot as those people that Elijah said, hey, you're limping between two opinions. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. And we're the church. So whatever is seducing us, we need to say, Holy Spirit, come and begin to work in me. May we not be limping between two opinions, but we say to the spirit of Jezebel, we push back in the name of Jesus today. You know, as I've already said, we, we're, as, as a pastoral staff, we, we fight against this. 
In, in my 34 years of leading here at Calvary, there have been two instances of, of sexual immorality that I stood on this platform and told you about. We're honest about it. We don't tolerate it. We don't pretend it didn't happen. We're not in the first group or the second or the third group we believe to be found faithful. Everyone's still awake? We have rules. Now, these rules, I, I hesitate to tell them, but if you really want me to, I will. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, they sound old-fashioned. They sound old-fashioned. We took these 30-some years ago from another church, and we've used them ever since. They're right in our staff handbook. And they apply to pastors and all spiritual leaders here at Calvary. Now, some of you younger folk that are here, you're going to think it's old-fashioned, it's out of style and out of date. You know, I love you guys. I really do. It's like I tell my, my own daughters, I'm not smarter than you, because my daughters are pretty smart, but I'm much more experienced. While you're still looking for the block, I've been around it. <laughs> and I don't say that in a mean, vindictive way. I'm just telling you. I've been around it while you're still trying to find it. Uh, more than once. So when I say this stuff, and when I tell you these, don't, don't, don't snicker. Don't think, well, that's just old-fashioned. Because I'm telling you, some of these things will save your marriage, they'll save your home, they'll certainly save our reputation, and that matters to me in this valley. Number one, thou shalt not go to lunch alone with the opposite sex. What? I told you not to laugh. I, <laughs> I was pretty forward and said, don't laugh, don't snicker. You say, well, what's the big deal? It is a big deal. Number one, we want to avoid the appearance of evil. And number two, we don't want to give the enemy a foothold. And the more time, the, listen to me, the more time you spend with someone of the opposite sex and you get more and more comfortable with that person, you let your guard down. I, uh, number two, thou shalt not drive alone with the opposite sex. Now listen, if you're on the side of the road with a bullet wound, <laughs> I'm going to stop and pick you up. You need to know that. But to be honest with you, anything less than that, I'm going to have to really think it through. Because <laughs> I, I, I just, uh, you know, it, it, it's just dangerous. It just is. Apparent, everything, it just is. Number three, thou shalt not kiss any attender of the opposite sex or show affection that could be questioned. Now, it, there, I have a reputation here. I'm not a hugger. And I know a lot of you think it's just because I'm just that non-touchy-feely. It's not that. It's that I want to be very careful with how I hug and who I hug. You say, well, what's the big deal? I know too many people that have fallen over stupid. Number four. You thought I was going to add to that, but I had nothing. Um, <laughs> thou shalt not visit the opposite sex alone at home. Do I need to explain this one? Okay. Number five. This is for those who counsel on staff. Lord knows I try to avoid it. Thou shalt not counsel the opposite sex alone at the office, and thou shalt not counsel the opposite sex more than once without the person's spouse. Refer them. Just don't get caught up in that. And, and you know, I know these are for pastors and spiritual leaders. I think they're for all of us. This one, maybe not quite so much. But uh, number six, thou shalt not discuss detailed sexual problems with the opposite sex in counseling. Again, refer them, okay? When, when, if we're in a counseling, there's always someone in the building if we are counseling someone in our offices. It's just what we do because there's, there's enough 
opportunity, opportunity to be seduced by foolishness. Number seven, thou shalt not discuss your marriage problem with an attender of the opposite sex. This goes for you all too. If you've got an issue in your marriage, seek out a pastor, talk to your own spouse, but don't go find the spouse of someone else and talk to them. Just don't do it. Is that okay to say? Well, it's already done, so. Uh, number, seven, uh, number eight, thou shalt be careful. Oh my goodness, I hate this one. Thou shalt be careful in answering emails, text, instant messages, chat rooms, cards, letters, or on Facebook from the opposite sex. You know, how many pastors have gotten in trouble? Just, I know you don't know this, but I want to let you know. When you put something in a text or on a, something, it's always there. 10, 12, 15 years later, it's going to come back to bite you. And be sure your sins will find you out. Just be sure. Um, you got to be careful with this. Be careful of, of uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're involved in a, an affair online, it's sin. You need to be honest about it, confess it, repent from it, get healing and move on. You just need to be honest. Pastor, it's just, I'm just, I'm just sending her pictures of me. Wow. Pal, let me tell you something. You may think you're on a journey, but for, for the rest of us, it's sin. Knock it off. If you're writing things, you never comment on someone else's, uh, you know, pastors who have done this are incredibly frustrating to me. They comment on someone else's body online. Hey, man, you look hot. You know what, the only, the only person I get to say, man, you look hot, is my wife, okay? If I ever, hey, you look really hot today. <laughs> you better be in the desert in Phoenix, Arizona. 135 degrees, and I'm saying, I'm stating the obvious, man, you look really hot. But if you're in Washington, for the love of the Lord, don't tell anyone, man, you look hot. You know, this is just wisdom. Come on, people. Yeah, I don't want to be the tolerant party on this thing. I don't want to be in the camp of Jezebel and company, but neither do I want. I want to be found faithful. How about you? And, and you need to have faith in us as your pastors that we're not, we're not doing silly out there. You know, and, and let, me, let me just cover this. Uh, we pray for you. You ought to be praying for us. You ought to be lifting us up in prayer and saying, Lord, a hedge of protection around all the people on staff here at Calvary. Uh, second thing I'll say is this, and I'll get back to where we're going. Uh, there are always rumors and gossips out there about any church. If you've heard rumors and gossip about Calvary Community Church, you have every right to pick up your phone to meet me right down here after the service and ask me anything you want. What you don't have the right to do is put an unfounded, something that you may not know anything about, put it online or put it in a chat or instant message or text it. That's wrong. If you want to know something, let's, let's practice doing the biblical thing of Matthew 18 and going to that person and saying, hey, what's up? Let, let's, let, let's do something new. Let's try that. So our reputation, as I already said, is important in this valley. And I, I, I'm going to fight for it. Now let's talk about you because that's a lot more fun. I gave her time, verse 21. Now, now catch the word repent. Tell me how many times it is when we get done. 
And, and by the way, I'm going to read a text, and in light of what took place in, in Texas, you're, it's gonna, it may trigger something. It is not about children. It is about the followers of Jezebel. Let's be clear. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. How many were, times was the word repent used? Three. Sexual, sexual immorality isn't just wrong for pastors and spiritual leaders, though it, it's, it's, I think, doubly wrong. It's wrong for you. It's wrong for your marriages. If you're having an affair, it's adultery and requires repentance. If you're having an affair online, as I've already said, it's wrong and requires a repentance. If you're texting, sexting, or doing whatever else nowadays they do, it's wrong and it requires repentance. And the reason I say that is I want you to hear the progression. <clears throat> there can be no repentance without confession. Well, Pastor Ray, I told my best friend. Yeah, well, that's all well and good because he'll keep your secret for you, pal, but that's not the same thing. You need to go to the ones you hurt and you need to be honest and you need to say, and if you don't want to do that, come to us and we'll help you. But there's no repentance without confession. There's no healing without repentance. Confession repentance, healing, and the goal. See, some of us want to play that game that we just read about. We want to pretend like it's not really there. So friends, that's not peace. That's not grace. That's not anything. That's just seducing yourself into thinking everything's okay when it's not. And no one wants to talk about it. I mean, even some of you are squirming in your seat. I hope he gets through quickly. <laughs> well, <clears throat> no. Because I think... I, I, think it's, I think it's hurting people. I think it's hurting your marriage. I think it's hurting your spouse. I think it's hurting you. And I'm not here to condemn you. But I do pray that the Holy Spirit of God convicts us to take these things to heart. Uh, and, you know, let, let's, let's move on. <laughs> Is sexual immorality the only place that the spirit of Jezebel can work? Correct answer is no. There are others. <clears throat> I want you to listen to this. Uh, the spirit of Jezebel is manifest in other ways, and here they are. It manifests whenever a church takes up another message than the gospel of Jesus. That's the spirit of Jezebel. It happens when a church or a pastor and a pastor panders to the anger and the fears and the frustrations of people and twists and tailors the message to build on those fears, angers, and frustrations. That is the spirit of Jezebel. It happens when a pastor is more interested in his kingdom than the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the spirit of Jezebel. <coughs> it happens when issues, whatever that issue might be, becomes more important than, than the words of Scripture. The spirit of Jezebel is alive and well when, when we disagree, we have to demonize one another. <coughs> Excuse me. That's the spirit of Jezebel. Uh, Mary, you have to give me some water. Thank you. <coughs> it happens when issues become more important than grace. It happens when we, you know, I had a guy catch me last night. He, he didn't understand what I was talking about, and I don't want to list it all out there. But anytime issues become more important than the mission of Jesus, 
That's a problem. That's the spirit of Jezebel. Um, and, and what's the result? The result is this. In our lives and in our ministries, we're drawn away from the king. The result of the spirit of Jezebel is we are torn between two opinions and, and the opinions become more important than the king of kings and lord of lords. <clears throat> we stop listening to the spirit of God. We stop listening to the spirit of the Lord. And our, our opinion and the opinions of man become more important than the spirit of the, Holy God, of the Holy God, the third person of the Trinity. We stop looking for truth in Scripture. Oh, we'll go to Scripture. We'll cherry pick the verses that defend our position. But we won't dare ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten us. And what we really do is we bring harm to the cause and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ when we act this way. It confirms what a lot of young people already think. See, the, the <coughs> excuse me, I apologize. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I need that daily. Uh, it's not about the faith of young people. They know they don't believe. They're wondering if we do. Right? They're wondering if we believe what we say. And to be honest with you, the last few years have made them question I know I have pastor friends whose sons and daughters have walked away from the church and they're wondering why. Well, if I, was, if, I was, if I was not being gracious, I'd tell them. Because they saw you get wrapped up in, in foolishness and nonsense and you took your eyes off the mission. See, the mission of the church is to evangelize, let people know about Jesus. If you want to change the world, change the human heart. It, it comes down to bapt, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it comes to helping people learn what it means to follow Jesus under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit of God. Everyone with me? Yep. Excuse me. But there's, there's always a risk when we don't do that. See, Pastor Ray, I want to be involved. I want to I make the truth of God known. Well, I've got no problem with that. I do it every weekend. But for crying out loud, it doesn't matter the message. If, if Like we said, if you're, if you're right and you're rude, then you're wrong. So here's what I suggest. If you want to go get involved and want to change the world, do it this way. Number one, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and discernment. If you want to change the world, then ask the Holy Spirit of God, third person of the Trinity, to fill you with wisdom and discernment. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit of the Lord God to illuminate the scriptures to you where you're not picking and choosing the ones that support your position, but support the, the mission and the purposes of God. Let that be your defining moment. Say, Holy Spirit, come and illuminate the scriptures to me. Holy Spirit, help me to speak the truth in love. Help me to speak in love so that they, you know what happens in arguments? It happens in marriages. Your tone and your attitude become the issue rather than the issue. And if you want to change that, then speak the truth in love. If we want to change that, and always remember that the mission is to help people know Jesus and experience life change. It's the call of the church. Now I want to take a break from you for a minute. One second. I want to talk two things. There are always pastors and ministers who will listen to this. this. You know, it's just, I listen to them, they listen to me. Other, we, we just do this. So I want to talk to any, and if you're, a, if you're a person online or in here and you want to share this with a pastor, do that. Because I feel this is what the Lord has said to me. 
Uh, in the last couple years, with all the debates on everything, and I mean everything, you've gotten a little beat up. And the Lord knows your works, but you've gotten tired, you've gotten weary, you've wanted to quit. You couldn't please the people on the right, you couldn't please the people on the left. And you were stuck in the middle, and it hurt, and it wounded you deeply, and you feel like giving up. Can I just say this to you in the name of Jesus, don't quit. Just because someone left your church because you weren't enough for them on either side. If you got those emails like we all did saying, well, you were not enough or you were too much. If friends walked out without even saying goodbye, don't let that get you down because you don't work for them. You serve an audience of one. So I want to encourage your heart today that if you are a pastor or a leader in the church, keep pressing on, man. When people want you to change the message, don't. Keep preaching Jesus. Keep walking in the spirit. Keep baptizing. Keep saying we can do this in Jesus' name. Don't give up. Don't sacrifice the message for people because it's not worth it. Press ahead. Because I think the Holy Spirit wants to say to you today that there is for you a crown of righteousness. There is that moment where you will stand before the Lord and you will hear these words, well done. Well done. Hang in there. So that's my word to you today. And, and we're going to pray. At the end of the service, I'm going to ask everyone in the congregation to pray for you today. So hang in there. You're going to make it. It's like my dad said. Dad didn't know a lot, but he knew this. I say that, you know what I mean? You're going to make it. Amen. Well, here's the thing. <coughs> Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, the human heart has capacity for only one all-encompassing, all-embracing allegiance. Jezebel was advocating Jesus in something else. Jezebel was saying, hey, we can do this over here and we can be Christian, but man, we can do this over here too because we can just add, add all this stuff over here and we can, just, we can put Jesus right on top of that and we can all make it sound spiritual and religious. My friends, that's the spirit of Jezebel. You don't add anything to Jesus. You don't wrap anything around the cross, no matter how cute it looks. You don't add any ideology. You don't add any philosophy. You add nothing to the cause of Jesus Christ. It stands absolutely, unequivocally alone. We can't add anything to Christ, to our faith. We, can't, we just can't have more than one king on the throne of our hearts. May it not be said of us, Elijah's words, how long will you go limping between two opinions? Leave that garbage behind. Let, let, let the knuckleheads of this world deal with that. You follow Jesus. You preach the gospel. You live the gospel. You walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and change the world. If you're angry about it, don't be angry. Go change it. One life at a time. One heart at a time. One family at a time. Let's not give in to fear and despair or even our own anger. You know, there's a lot of things in life that are both and. In marriage, marriage is a, is a, is a series of compromises. I give a little, Mary gives a little, we compromise, we go back and forth because we're one now. It can't be my way or the highway. We have to work together. There are a lot of things in life that are both and, but not when it comes to Jesus. Not when it comes to our faith. It's either or. 
You decide. We decide. As a church, as individuals, as the body of Christ, what will we be known for? Who will we stand for? Because with Jesus, it's either or. You don't get to add anything on the mantle of Jesus of your life. There's not two thrones there. There's only one. Who will sit on the throne of your life today? My heart's prayer for me, because I, I battle the same things you do, that we would be men and women who press in. Last passage of scripture, verse 25, only hold fast to what you have until I come. The one who conquers, this won't come up, but the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and when the earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father and I will give him the morning star, which is Jesus. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. The one who died and rose again, the Bible says, is coming to judge the nations and he will judge the church. I want to be found faithful. Now I'm going to say this one last time because invariably there'll be someone who forgets this. I'm not a, I'm, it's not my goal to beat anybody up. It's to say there is grace for those who have fallen. There is mercy and compassion for those who have fallen. And if you're here today and, and, and you're taking these words seriously, if you need help, we're here to help. We're here to help. But don't live in your misery. Don't li live in the deceit. Don't live in the, the seducing power of the, uh, of the spirit of Jezebel. Let's be honest about it. Because in that honesty, there comes repentance. And, because, and through repentance, there comes healing and restoration. We have things like uh, pure desire ministry for guys struggling with pornography. It's a big issue in the church. We have Brave Enough that deals with brokenness and woundedness. We have uh, Celebrate Recovery. Got other ministries I don't even know about that are here to help. Friends, this is serious stuff. And uh, let's pray. Holy Spirit of God, fall fresh upon us today. Remind us of the gospel of Jesus as you are called to do. Remind us of our position as your hands, feet, and voice. Forgive us, Lord, when we, when we transition from the faithful to the tolerant. Or perhaps we have fallen into in the spirit of Jezebel, sexual immorality or something else. Lord, we don't want to stay there. May your convicting power of the Holy Spirit just begin to move us back. Some small steps to where we can become whole and healed once again. Where you can restore the joy of our salvation. Lord, I know I'm talking to people today that just like me who have struggled. But Lord, help our struggles today. For those who need forgiveness, you offer it freely. You don't kick people to the curb. For grace, it's, a, it's grace that abounds in our weaknesses. Lord, we do pray for pastors. We do pray for those moms and dads and grandparents in Uvalde, Texas. We pray for the Ukraine. We pray for so many needs today. We pray that you, we would be light and salt and that we would shine like the stars. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Stand, worship with us this morning.